How's it going, guys? It's Titan back on the podcast. Pour yourself a drink and prepare to listen to what I think. If you want to know the deal, prepare to listen to a legitimate heel. Let's get into it. I've got a lot to say. Curtis, hit the music. Heel Turn Wrestling Podcast with me, Titan. It is November the 20th, 2022. At time of recording, we are fresh off the heels of AEW's Full Gear pay-per-view. We will address that later in the podcast. But today, we are going to be doing uh, a loose year in, re- year in review for 2022. And um, there is one subject that I do want to uh, vent on and... Um, hopefully put to bed uh, in my pers- from from my perspective there is one subject i want to cover but we are going to do like i say a loose year in review uh starting with um i guess uh in the in january uh the 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 few the few noteworthy th- noteworthy things happening in january of 2022 was um, the uh, the Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns feud uh, part seventy eight, which um, continued all the way up to SummerSlam. Which um, I mean, the SummerSlam match was fine because it was you know last man standing and there was a lot of carnage and they used a lot of smoke and mirrors. But as I said on um, on our pilot episode, a lot like, a lot like a film. The first one is always the best one. If you want to see a top-notch Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns match, you should go back to WrestleMania 15. Excuse me. You should go back to WrestleMania 2015, WrestleMania 31, and watch the main event, which nobody was looking forward to. Everyone thought, oh, they're going to put the belt on Roman. Brock's going to go back to the UFC. Why are we watching this? This is going to be just terrible. Legitimately one of the best main events in WrestleMania history. Definitely in the top 10, I would I would say. Um, but the 2022 version, I'm not knocking them as individuals. I think Brock Lesnar now is kind of played out. That What more can he do? He, You know, he's... He limits himself to doing an F5, a German suplex, occasionally a Kimura. Um, he, he, uh, he's just picking up a check at this point. And yeah, he does give he does give wrestling a big time feel. But all told, it, it, it feels played out to me, the Brock Lesnar thing. I mean, it's a, it's a non-factor for me now. I, I am a fan of Roman Reigns as the tribal chief, but they went, they went to the main event at WrestleMania and, uh, the match was fine. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, you know, dance around because of it. It was fine. It, um, it did what it had to do. It got both belts on Roman, which as I said in the last podcast, uh, it, it's kind of presented a, uh, a different problem for uh, for WWE as far as Roman holding both belts. If you want to hear a more in-depth uh, discussion on that, I did cover it in uh, episode zero, the pilot episode of the podcast, where we looked into 2023. 
So, in January, Brock Lesnar won the Rumble, um, which also uh, which also led him into February, where he did he he entered yeah he did he entered the he entered the elimination chamber. It was a Saudi show. He entered the elimination chamber in a Saudi show. Uh, uh, as soon as he came in, he beat everyone very quickly. And then it came down to him and Austin Theory, and he f five Austin Theory off the top of one of the pods, and uh, dispatched him one two three. Lesnar Roman, like I said, part seventy eight, uh, goes to WrestleMania. Cool. So that was that was the uh, the main the the that was the main main event storyline in terms of like what was going on with the titles now. Um, as far as what was going on away from the WWE title, um, the other main story going into WrestleMania uh, was Kevin Owens all of a sudden deciding that he hates Texas. And... Okay, he hates Texas. He's from Canada, you know. I'm sure he'd, uh, I'm sure he'd take anywhere in Canada over anywhere in the U.S. or the U.K. or Germany or France or Australia, because you know he's proud of where he's from. Good for him. All of a sudden, he really hates Texas, and he decides he wants to, he wants to, he wants to beat up a Texan. And um, there's a lot of Texans who've wrestled for WWE in the past, and. I assume there's a lot of Texans still wrestling for WWE. But as soon as you drop the name, and again, we were we 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 we'd already been fed this by by Meltzer, by Alvarez, by Wade Keller, uh Sean Ross Sapp, everyone was saying it's going to be Steve Austin. Originally they said it's going to be a match. But then they dialed it back and they said, no, it's not gonna be a match, it's going to be a um an encounter a an interview an episode of the KO show and i think that was done because maybe up until one or two days before maybe Steve Austin wasn't too sure there was there was a bit of talk was you know would could Steve Austin really commit to actually doing a match and i mean hey you saw the result the the match they had was very basic. It was very simple. Uh, Austin started slow, which you'd expect when you haven't been in the ring for 20 years. You know, we're not expecting, you know, fist and fire, piston-like right hands straight out the gate. Once, once he got his feet under him, apart from, you know, more or less wrestling in his uh, street clothes... You, you you wouldn't know the difference. You would not know the difference. Steve Austin, Steve Austin competing in 2022 should be the biggest story of 2022. But by now, at the end of the year, like I say, we are doing this uh, because of a scheduling issue. We are doing the year of review episode in November. But <clears throat> as things stand, usually December is quite a quiet time in the wrestling business. And I'm sure once this drops, I'm sure something really big will happen, which will totally date and make this podcast irrelevant. Such is life. However, 
Steve Austin coming back was fantastic. For those of us who lived through the Austin era and saw it in real time, there there was there were there was nothing like there was nothing like watching Monday Night Raw on a Friday, as it was in the UK, ten o'clock on Friday evening. Uh, me and my friends, uh, even at the age we were at where Friday night should have been about, uh, going out and, uh, partaking in, uh, alcoholic beverages and, uh, meeting up with, uh, some, uh, young ladies and, uh, just generally doing what teenagers do. Everything stopped at 10 PM on a Friday evening because we knew Steve Austin was going to be there to cause some carnage, usually on Vince McMahon. For us, for those of us of that generation, that was a seminal moment in professional wrestling to see Steve Austin lace up the boots one more time. And to fast forward to now, Triple H apparently has offered Steve Austin another match. I mean, he's gone from being the one guy who never came out of retirement, and I mean, at this point, he's gonna he's he's gonna have he's gonna have the same schedule as Brock. You know, he if he go, I mean, if he goes to WrestleMania, I did mention on the first podcast podcast episode zero, uh, I did mention that I would be going and I am going to uh, Los Angeles to watch WrestleMania thirty nine. Um. There is every possibility that The Rock could wrestle on that show. There's every possibility that John Cena could wrestle on that show. But now there's a possibility that Steve Austin could wrestle on that show. If WWE manages to pull this off, I'm going to have to send Triple H a fruit basket or or some thank you note or something. Because, I mean, that's, that's your sellout right there. That's two nights of a sellout right there. Those three names sells out your building for two nights. Everything else is just window dressing, and that is no knock on the current roster. It's just back in the day, it was a different time. There wasn't so much choice for people to watch, to entertain themselves. There wasn't as much content freely available as there is now. So a Steve Austin was always going to have more eyeballs on him than a Roman Reigns because Roman Reigns unfortunately for him because him as a character now it's one of the it's one of the best pieces of work best pieces of character work that have been seen in WWE in a long time Roman Reigns is in a world where the, co the content and the way we consume content is so fragmented, he gets a tiny percentage as the top guy in the business that a Steve Austin would have done, or The Rock. And even Cena, who was a generation after Austin and The Rock, there was a bit of crossover, but Cena and The Rock and Steve Austin were for lack of a better term, they were big stars in like the analogue world the analog generation where the internet wasn't what it is today there wasn't a youtube in 2004 there wasn't a um 
streaming service anywhere in 2004. The streaming wasn't a thing. It was pay-per-view and it was television. They were television and pay-per-view megastars. Roman Reigns is a megastar on Smackdown, which is on Fox in America, BT Sport in the UK. He's a premium live event star. He's a WWE Network star. He's a star on WWE's YouTube show. He appears for interviews on other YouTube channels. So although he probably covers more Roman Reigns I'm talking about, he probably covers more avenues in terms of YouTube, streaming, television, podcast, podcasts, etc. It's also fragmented and the WWE is not in the same position now as it was 25 years ago. It's not in the upper echelon of people's minds. I have gone on a bit of a tangent about this, but again, going back to my original point, Roman Reigns, just because of how the world is, could never be as much of a visible superstar as The Rock, as Cena, as Steve Austin. That is why those three people on any card, those three guys, if they're all on the card for WrestleMania 39, that's your sellout right there. I'll be there. Me and my friends will be there. But that is your sellout. That sells out whatever tickets are remaining. And that gets your views on streaming services, on Peacock, WWE Network, regular pay-per-view. That, that's, that's a bonanza for the WWE. So, but, but, that's in, but, but that's next year. Going back to 2022. Um, yeah, Steve Austin comes out of retirement, has a match. Um, us older folks are happy. The people who've anecdotally heard about Steve Austin, they get to see what all the fuss is about. Still can't deny the man's star power after 20 years. Um, Kevin Owens, for his part, did fantastic. He had to carry the entire feud. Uh, prior to WrestleMania, and uh, great credit to him. It's never easy doing... Doing doing a um, a two man program on your own, which is again kind of what I'm doing at the moment. Because again, as you probably noticed, I am uh, Sans co host for this podcast. But again, scheduling issues and uh, everyone does have a life. Uh, we're going to go over to the other side of the street now to uh, All Elite Wrestling. Um, first portion of the year um, for me, the highlight in uh, in that part of the year was uh, the CM Punk uh, MJF feud, which um, on a um, side note, I think if um, if the uh, media scrum, um, to end all media scrums from uh, All Out hadn't happened, I think last night's main event uh, between John Moxley and MJF almost certainly would have been CM Punk versus MJF, the the rubber match, because um, as of AEW Revolution, which occurred in March, I believe they were one and one, because MJF uh, defeated Punk in, I believe, early February this year in Chicago, and not only beat him once, um, he beat him once, he beat him twice. The referee restarted it because I believe he um, he did the tape gimmick where he taped, he put tape around Punk's throat and then locked on the sleeper. And the ref saw the tape and said, 
no, we're starting the match again. And you think, oh, Punk, Punk's going to get the win now. But no, I think he used the dynamite diamond ring. Knockout punch. MJF beats CM Punk in Chicago, which then sets up uh, match two, the rematch. Revolution, the dog collar match between CM Punk and MJF. For me, and again, this, this all goes down to um, personal preference. For me, the dog collar match between CM Punk and MJF is AEW's uh, match of 2022. In my opinion. Now, there are people who obviously prefer, you know, um, a uh, more high-flying kind of match. Um, you know, again... It's not for everybody. I know there are some people who don't see, and if they don't, I mean, what are you looking at? Because, I mean, it, it, scre it screams out loud and clear to me. Uh, MJF, some people, especially at the beginning of AEW, I think they're kind of coming around now. MJF, oh, well, I didn't see his appeal where he talks a lot. His wrestling can, his wrestling's boring. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't come off the top rope. But like he, like he said, he said it in promos before. I make you feel. I make you feel. I make you what I make you want to hate me. Which is true. He he you know, he doesn't he hasn't lied. He hasn't lied. MJF is a bona fide star. And if he chooses to, for the next 20 years, in both All Elite Wrestling and WWE, MJF could be the Rick Flair level Triple H to more modern fans in like the mid 2000s that Rick Flair Triple H heel champion that you want your favorite wrestler to kick the crap out of and take his belt away he has that potential this guy can talk better than anybody i have seen in a long long time and one of the things that made his promos even better was having a worthy adversary opposite him like cm punk now i'm going to get on to a uh, a bit of a rant at the end of this podcast it's not i'm not i'm not i haven't scripted anything but i can just sort of feel it coming on um because the one of the big bigger Maybe the biggest, I don't know. Probably not, actually. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, stories was obviously the uh, the brawl out at All Out, as they like to call it. And I've got some opinions on that, which I really want to dive into. I really want to dive into with people because I do I do think there's um, there needs to be some clarity added to this situation. And uh, again, it's just my opinion for what it's worth, but we will dive into that. So, uh, not a great deal in the second in the second quarter of the year. <clears throat> Off the top of my head, I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, I, oh, hold on. So, let's see, May double or nothing was May on the WWE side of things. Not a great deal going on. I think they they do kind of get into a holding pattern post WrestleMania before SummerSlam. So. But AEW, you go to Double or Nothing and you have uh, CM Punk 
uh, coming out on top against Adam Page. And finally, after seven or eight months of uh, fantastic work by CM Punk, uh, he picks up his first AEW world title and then immediately proceeds to break his foot, uh, meaning, meaning he has to uh, go on the shelf for a few months. And again, that leads up to what I'm going to get to at the end. So I'll just, uh, I'll leave that thread hanging. And uh, we'll go on to WWE and uh, late July, apologies, uh, late June, uh, with a new story that uh, most uh, wrestling fans, uh, aficionados, uh, anyone associated with wrestling, I'm sure have definitely already heard and definitely know about by now of course um but i think everybody was uh gripped by the uh the revelations that came out in the wwe in late june and that we will cover after this short interlude we'll be right back guys Back on the podcast with me, Titan. Just before we get into uh, what I believe is the uh, the biggest news story in wrestling in 2022, uh, I just do want to circle back because uh, before this big story, uh, there was something I omitted from the previous uh, talk we had about uh, the second quarter of the year between uh, April and June. Um, Sasha Banks and Naomi... Walking out on WWE, uh, not happy with their their booking, not happy with how they were being treated as performers. Um, there still doesn't seem to be a lot that has come out about that. I do find it hard to believe that creative was the only reason that two of um, certainly Sasha, uh, uh, Naomi too. But Sasha was one of their top two or three women on the roster. And for her to walk out, and uh, as of time of recording, 20, uh, 20th of November 2022, uh, we've seen Sasha Banks a lot on Twitter. We've seen her training on uh, Twitter videos, and she's been putting posts about training. About training with uh, legends like uh, Juventud Guerrera. Great. So she's obviously wanting to stay in uh, ring shape. Um, her and Naomi have also been spotted on the uh, New York catwalk modeling. Um, with, with the current WWE regime, I'd have said that Sasha... Sasha, based on her status in the company, and Naomi, based on the fact that her husband is Jimmy Uso, I would have said Triple H, if he hasn't already, should have reached out to those two because it was the previous administration that they had the creative problems with. Now, if those conversations have already happened and they still haven't come to some sort of an agreement, 
Uh, I think uh, both losing both of them, Sasha especially, because again, she has been one of their top female stars for six or seven years now, and I think I think for the longest time you would say uh, they the, the four horsewomen, uh, rightly so, have uh, garnered a lot of the. Um, the praise for carrying the women's division for a long time. Now you do have uh, Bianca Belair, who right now I believe is the, is the number one female wrestler in both companies. And I, and I will, I will die on that hill. Bianca Belair is an incredible professional wrestler. She's an incredible character. She's an incredible uh, performer in the ring, athletically, she's amazing, and th- th- there's 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 just no limit to Bianca Belair's talent. And right now, I think her work is above and beyond anything else in WWE and anything in AEW. And like I said, I will go to bat for Bianca Belair any day of the week. She is incredible. Now. On to, like I said, Sasha and uh, Naomi walked out under the previous administration. The previous administration, the reason they are the previous administration, uh, in late June 2022, um, things started leaking that uh, WWE long-term head honcho Vince McMahon had... uh, been asked to uh, step down from his um, position as a CEO and chairman of WWE uh, pending an internal investigation due to improper conduct with an employee. Now, or did did he voluntarily step down because he'd been informed of the investigation? Bottom line is he stepped down from his position as chairman of WWE, but still carried on being the uh, head of creative and uh, running the television show, again, because of improper conduct with an employee. Now, uh, everybody who seems to have worked with Vince has said that Vince McMahon would die in his chair at the gorilla position whilst basic basically controlling an episode of raw vince was never going to retire vince was never going to leave vince was never going to decide you know what i'm going to enjoy the rest of my life on my boat or at my mansion or i'm going to take up fishing or golf Vince was a workaholic. Now, the product under Vince for definitely the last five years, maybe longer, and in fact, definitely longer, but we'll say the last five years had been for the most part terrible. It had been a really tough watch. You've got three hours on Monday for Raw, two hours on SmackDown, 
WrestleMania, as much as it has been the flagship event, before they split it up into two nights, that was becoming a slog. WrestleMania was uh, the WrestleMania was like Christmas for wrestling fans, and then all of a sudden it just became a test of endurance, especially for again not playing the victim here, but us in the UK we we have to um, we have to basically take ourselves out of our normal sleeping pattern to watch uh, WWE and, and AEW pay per views. And uh, it's just a it's just a necessary evil. It's just something we've always done. But when you when you're starting to watch the pre-show at uh, 10 p.m. and you're not finishing the actual event till five, sometimes gone five a.m. That's a long slog. And again, that's all Vince. That's all Vince. This is all down to Vince. Um. So he had been in charge of an increasingly stale product. Uh, during the pandemic, he axed a lot of people from his roster, which at a time where work, getting, getting work was as difficult as, as it, it had ever been in any of our lifetimes. The entire world was shut down. And the company that is announcing record profits is then cutting people from its roster, leaving them jobless, hopefully not penniless, but leaving them jobless. And it just seems like a, it just seems like a bit of a dick move. And again, nothing happened in that company without Vince's approval, without Vince's say so. So for any talk of, well, that wasn't a Vince decision. Maybe he, he wasn't the one who suggested it, but he's the guy who okayed it. Now, I will not take anything away from Vince McMahon's legacy in wrestling. Because every single person who listens to this, I can pretty much guarantee the reason you are a fan of professional wrestling is because of Vince McMahon. Whether, whether you're a fan of the guy now, and my guess is that's probably not many. That's probably not many people right now. Literally everybody is a fan in some form or fashion of professional wrestling because of Vince McMahon. And I will never not believe that. But again, his judgment as far as the business is concerned, especially in the past five years or so, had been will be charitable and will say it had been a bit suspect. It it definitely ran me off. It definitely made me not want to follow it as intently. Definitely didn't make me want to watch the programme week after week. But then we come back to uh, impro improper conduct with uh, an employee. Now, this appeared to be a uh, secretary or something that had been hired and then after a year this secretary all of a sudden receives a 100% pay rise and then it comes out that she has signed a an NDA a non-disclosure agreement basically I'm paying you money to not say a word and uh, it's a it's basically a legal document that says shut your mouth or else um 
And it comes out that Vince McMahon had basically had an affair with this lady. And whilst digging, th whilst digging through, uh, you know, the company's obviously financial history and employment history, this had all come out. Now, uh, this was originally leaked by, I believe, the one of the the girl who in question, the woman in question, who Vince was room well not rumored, it's been proven. The Vince, the guy, the the girl who Vince had an affair with, um, it was her friend who I believe leaked something to the Wall Street Journal. So it's a very, very highly thought of, very well very well respected uh, journalistic source the wall street journal in in the in the states um and originally i believe they said it was a friend who who disclosed that information or she might have disclosed it to wwe and then someone in the company may have disclosed it to the wall street journal either way vince has not come out and denied any of these allegations. Now, if Vince believed he was in any way being mistreated or he was wronged, um, anyone who's uh, listened to any any uh, media or watched anything to do with Vince McMahon uh, will know that he has had legal issues before and he has uh, one hell of a lawyer, a gentleman by the name of Jerry McDevitt, uh, who has... Basically, in all but one high-profile case, has basically got Vince out of, out of trouble and has defended Vince from trouble that uh, he, he, he didn't solicit. But I haven't heard that man's name mentioned in this case. Vince cooperated with the investigation and then... A week or so prior to SummerSlam, after a string of basically unwarranted appearances on TV, when he he was in no he was no part of any storylines, he was no part of any storylines. He just decided. that I'm Vince McMahon, damn it, and I'm going to show my face and show the people that I don't sweat this investigation. Now, I don't know if that was just cockiness or if it was uh, a farewell tour in his mind. But again, you get to about two weeks before SummerSlam uh, on, a, on, on, on a Friday afternoon... Uh, the the man's official Twitter account, which, let's be honest, Vince has never tweeted in his life. He has an account. He has a verified Vince McMahon account, but he had a lackey doing that. The tweet goes out that Vince McMahon, at the age of 77, has decided it's time to retire. Which... Only to the most naive and gullible of observers would look at that and go, oh my God, he's guilty. He's guilty of all of this. 
and not and not just having an affair that you know people have affairs all the time i mean it's long been rumored that him and linda are their marriage him and linda mcmahon he's been married to her 50 maybe maybe 50 years now i'm not exactly sure but their marriage has been nothing more than a piece of paper for a long time. So as far as the impropriety of um, having an affair, an extramarital affair, uh, I don't think uh, neither Vince nor Linda have too many uh, personal issues with that because, you know, like I said, that, 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 that relationship was purely transactional at that point and at this point. So I don't think that was that well that I don't think that was the issue. I know that wasn't the issue. The issue was that while this had been happening, there were other discoveries made that four other women, I believe it was four other women, had been paid a grand total of nearly twenty million dollars in hush money. And all signing these non-disclosure agreements, basically shut up or else we'll sue you. You sign the document, you get a load of money and you stay quiet. Vince had done this four or five times, stretching all the way back to 2006. And it just... It, it it just reeks. It it's such a bad look. A guy in his sixties and seventies, and let's face it, one of the, one of these women, one of these women was a WWE diva. No, no, but no, you know, nobody's come out and said that. Nobody has come out and said that which WWE diva it was, but a WWE diva was one of the women who was paid a lot of money to stay quiet. That she had an extramarital affair with Vince McMahon. Now, the legal ramifications around all of this, I don't, I, I don't know if they're still yet to be addressed. The, the, these women are all, I believe, in in the age range of uh, late 20s to early 40s. The guy's 60 or 70. Now, Vince McMahon isn't going to be the first guy to be accused of looking at younger women. He, you know, he won't be the last either. But when it's, when, when, when you own your own company, when you're when you own a private company and it is yours, and again, I'm not advocating this, but this is where I think Vince Vince's cognitive state comes into into question on this point. I'm not advocating that you should you should run your own company and keep everything you do hidden just so you can hide the fact that you behaved inappropriately. But to do that, to pay these women who you basically used for your own whatever, your own, you know, sick desires or fantasies or whatever, and then you pay them and you make them sign NDAs, 
but all the time you are running a publicly traded company. The money that goes through that company, some of which Vince used to pay some of these women, which is where a possible uh, criminal charge could be looming for Vince. Again, I don't know if um, that is pending. Uh, I haven't heard that there's been any resolution on that side yet. But when you are a publicly traded company and every single penny that goes through the company has to be accounted for and your actions are held to a standard that cannot be hidden, it suggests to me that not only was he uh, reckless with his um, carnal desires, he was also reckless in 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 business it, it it was it was it was such a reckless move for him to commit with public money with money that wasn't his now if you've been the boss for so long you can be fooled into thinking you're invincible vince does have a lot of donald trump about him where no matter what he does, he believes nobody can touch him, irregardless of the fact that everything he does, again, this isn't fair with Vince, this is more a Donald Trump rant, but Donald Trump genuinely thinks he can get away with anything. Vince McMahon, in the realms of WWE and anything happening on WWE property or with WWE money, I think Vince McMahon forgot that he is now a uh, the head of a publicly traded company and not the small business that him and his wife started back in the 80s that grew into a, a huge company that was allowed to go public. I think it was a grave, grave error by Vince which ultimately ended up costing him not his, not his job. I mean, it's not like he's been kicked out the door with, uh, with um, just the clothes on his back. Uh, Vince is still a multi, multi, multi millionaire, and uh, now he will go and enjoy his retirement. He has been seen out on the town at least twice since, uh, since leaving WWE with a, uh, with uh, a younger lady, and uh, again, no- nothing wrong with that. But he was ultimately removed from his own company by his own poor judgment. And I never thought, obviously you know it's going to happen, but I just never thought I would see the day where Vince would have to walk away. I genuinely believed what everybody had said for years, Vince will die in that chair before he leaves. And yet here we are now, Vince has gone. And now we have in charge Triple H, the guy who a year ago had his creation of NXT stripped down to the bones and rebuilt with multicolored new sets, new logos, 
everything that he built the the indie the indie hub the indie that basically NXT became like a super indie under Triple H a super indie promotion ring of honor with a budget i love triple h's NXT triple h has a heart problem triple h then sees all of his good work dismantled thrown by the wayside a lot of his guys get released or their contracts are up and they they go to the other side of the street to AEW. Adam Cole being principal among them. Keith Lee being another one. I'm sure I'm missing some. But within a year, Triple H, again, you know, a lot can a lot can change in a year. Triple H goes from being on the brink of death, and he has confirmed this in interviews. His heart condition was so severe, he could have died. Triple H could have died of a heart condition in his early, early 50s. Which is scary. But now he finds himself as the creative head taking on the role he took on in NXT. But now he's the boss. He hasn't got Vince over, overlooking him. He hasn't got anyone overlooking him. The only person who is above him in the company is his wife. And I'm sure he's just fine with that. So after Vince had taken a chainsaw to his roster and cut so many people... A lot of fan favourites, a lot of people who didn't even get the chance to show what they could do. People who were vastly, you know, not vastly, wrong, wrong word. People who were misused so badly on the main roster after coming up from NXT. Carrying Cross, that was booking malpractice. They dressed him up like a uh, like like demo like demolition. If you ordered demolition off of Wish, they stripped away his gimmick. They stripped away his entrance. They stripped away his valet. The all 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 the bells and whistles that made him what he was in NXT. That made him the the force that he was in NXT. They stripped it all away from him. They job him out to Jeff Hardy, who had been treated like a jobber on WWE TV. They job him out in two minutes to Jeff Hardy and then they dress him like Demolition from Wish and then they release him and they release his wife. Why? Why? There was no reason for that. But when Triple H comes back into power... I say into power. <laughs> sounds very um, sounds very Roman times. He he rose to power, but he did rise to power. He went from he went from the outhouse to the penthouse very quickly. Did um, did Triple H? Triple H takes the reins, the creative reins of WWE, and immediately starts to put his chess pieces, his pieces of his roster, the roster he wants back together and to enlist a lot of goodwill with the fan base which again was 
damaged almost, almost beyond repair by the creative direction, Vince, Bruce Pritchard, John Laurinaitis and Kevin Dunn, who were the brain trust up there for a long time, had taken the company in. Triple H tried to reinstall some goodwill with the fans and start bringing back people that he knew deserved a second chance, that he knew the fans were fond of. And even and even even now, people are still making returns to WWE because Triple H for all the for all the talk in public of there was always a solid front. Stephanie, Triple H, Shane, Vince, anybody associated with the top echelon of management would all parrot one company line. But now we're seeing that Triple H's creative vision and Vince McMahon's creative vision are two completely different things. Triple H has rebuilt the roster. Now, there are some limitations on what Triple H can do. Triple H has said if he could get rid of the third hour of Raw, he would do it. Because Triple H was a humongous star on two-hour Raws and two-hour Smackdowns. That third hour drives people away. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say Triple H is perfect. Because Triple H has a lot more limitations on his booking being on television as opposed to being a one-hour show on WWE Network, which is what NXT was. Obviously, he has uh, commercials to deal with. Obviously, uh, he has to fall in line with uh, the TV network regulations. But just him bringing back people who the fans feel were mistreated and people who he had used to great effect to be part of his roster, his WWE, his vision has reinstalled a lot of the goodwill, not all, but a lot of the goodwill that was lost under Vince McMahon and basically his old boys club. Triple H is taking WWE, I believe, in the right direction. It, it was never going to happen overnight. It's still, it's still not where I think it could be. But I think while he is trying to steady the ship and steer the course, he is doing things and he is making moves with um, with talent to just reinstall that goodwill and get and give fans something to be positive about with WWE because for the longest time, WWE just seemed to be the enemy. It was like it, it was like an abusive relationship. You what? You still watch WWE? You still pay attention to WWE because they are the biggest company in town. They are the biggest company in wrestling. But it's almost like it's almost like you 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 you're watching it out of habit. You know, you're watching it. Yeah, you, you're what you're watching it because well, what else is there to do? You know, you're hate watching. <laughs> you're hate watching. WWE but now you can actually watch WWE and you can actually see a lot of the storylines starting to be more coherent 
and having a bit more of a I don't want to say adult feel because again you know we're never going to go back to the attitude era of cursing and crotch chopping and uh, bloody brawls all over the place that's not that's not going to be a thing that happens however Triple H's creative is a lot less insulting to the intelligence of just your average person, your average wrestling fan, your average viewer. Triple H has taken a lot of the um, childlike humour that Vince McMahon was so fond of. I'm not going to sit here and psychoanalyse Vince, but Vince had a fondness for... Uh, toilet humour, way past the pale of oh he's just he's just he he's just having a laugh and a joke. Vince had a real fondness for toilet humour, and it's um, it was a bit bizarre again, especially you know if you want to run off long time wrestling fans making jokes about um, uh, peeing your pants, we'll 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 do it now. Don't get me wrong, when when Vince McMahon is kneeling in the ring and Steve Austin has a, a hunting gun to your head, but it turns out to be a toy and shoots the word bang on a little flag out of it and Vince pisses his pants. That's hilarious. Because it's the guy you all hate pissing his pants out of fear. But when that same guy behind the scenes is creating storylines where... You know, people talking about pee and uh, poo, and it, it's it's like it's written by a five year old. My 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 great nephew, who's two, he loves poo. He thinks poo's hilarious because he's two. Vince hasn't been two for seventy odd years, but again, that's just me. Anyway, back to back to wrestling, unless about. Uh, families and poo <coughs> while I clear my throat so Triple H is now steering the ship and he has brought back a lot of people he's brought back uh, Karrion Cross. he's brought back Bray Wyatt uh, he's brought Johnny Gargano back into the fold so far I, w I, w I would give it a uh, wait and see approach it's definitely more watchable under Triple H but it remains to be seen what what long term the the uh, the jury of public opinion will say about Triple H. P probably best to review it in a year. Let's give it a year. So around SummerSlam time is where SummerSlam twenty twenty three we can look at Triple H's first year as the main man in the big chair and see how he's done then. Because, again, this is never going to write itself overnight. Now, we're going to take a short break and we will finish with uh, something I promised or maybe I should have said threatened earlier in the show. We are going to discuss uh, the final big story of 2022, uh, the fallout from the brawl out at All Out. Stay tuned for that. We'll be right back.
Time back with you on the podcast and we're about to get into the final big story of uh, 2022 today. Uh, We're going to briefly hope, well, might not be brief. Uh, I just want to say off the bat, this will be my personal opinion. Uh, I'm not speaking for everybody at Heel Turn Wrestling. This is my personal opinion. Uh, I will give uh, reasoning and rationale behind my opinion. So uh, please indulge my my opinion uh, to the end uh, when I make my point. Uh, there is a point. Uh, I just want to stress that at the start. So, uh, in short, before I get into the long version, the all-out media scrum controversy and the things that have come out since so as of now uh, as of last night uh, in fact uh, UK time uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega have returned to television after the media scrum post-match fight with CM Punk Uh, the investigation concluded and we are now uh, the other the other side of that. Uh, the uh, the Bucks and Omega have returned. Uh, CM Punk is on the shelf with an injury. Um, all the talk is that CM Punk is currently negotiating a uh, buyout of his contract with AEW. Personally, I think that is a huge black eye on AEW. And my central point to this to this section of the podcast, on the whole, I believe CM Punk was done dirty by Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, The Young Bucks, and Chris Jericho. Now, I will lay this out chronologically. But first of all, I want to lay out some of the points from CM Punk, which I will say things I did not agree with CM Punk on. Nobody is completely blameless in this situation. And usually with situations like this, nobody is completely blameless. What usually happens is what's happened here. Uh, people take sides. People will rush to get their side out very quickly. In my experience, in just in life, there's a phrase, thou protesteth too much. Which means, if you're so quick to protest your innocence... And you're so quick to get your version of events out there. Chances are you're probably not telling the whole story or you're colouring events in a certain way. Now, as far as CM Punk goes, things I don't agree with what we know for sure he did. What has been unequivocally proven we think beyond reasonable doubt 
CM Punk should not have sat next to his boss and trashed company executives uh, to the media and you know just 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 go on a just go on a tirade a profanity filled tirade uh CM Punk really made Tony Khan look like a fool at that point um as far as Tony Khan goes I will get to Tony Khan Punk should not have done that when Punk first came back from his foot injury, he should not have called out Adam Page for his world title rematch just to make a point of uh, don't shoot on me because I'm going to give you a receipt because that's more insider bullshit and that is what Adam Page did to Punk Sometimes you do just have to take the high road. Punk should have taken the high road. He didn't. It is also uh, been widely reported and hasn't been denied by anybody that uh, Punk uh, threw uh, a punch at uh, Nick Jackson. Um, violence should never be the answer. Um, but, you know, don't punch the guy. I mean, look, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, harp on, you know, the ins and outs of everything, but look, I understand it was a three on one situation. Three guys come into your locker room. You're in there with your, your dog and, uh, your friend's wife who is on crutches. This is all proven. Um, Three guys who you've just made your opinion very clear about come into your locker room. And apparently there was other people in tow. I think Brandon Cutler, Michael Nakazawa, Christopher Daniels, uh, Mega Parak, who is the number two um, head honcho behind Tony Khan. So that's seven people coming into your locker room, by my calculations, to basically what? What 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 are you going into his locker room for? What are they going into his locker room for? So, let's back up and let's timeline these events. Now, this might take a minute, but it, this is important for context. August 2021, CM Punk comes into AEW. CM Punk says how happy he is to be back in wrestling he missed the fans. He missed the buzz of being a wrestler. He comes into the company. Tony Khan signs him to what I'm sure was a humongous financial deal. And I'm sure Punk wasn't hurting for money. But I'm sure that deal was something quite special to bring back CM Punk, who had long been wanted back. That's another important point. For a long time, people had chanted CM Punk's name in, in in arenas. And as of last night, there was an F CM Punk chant during uh, Omega and the Bucks trios match against uh, Death Triangle. F CM Punk 
um, to me, just seeing it seems like a very fickle thing to say. But again, I do think there is a reason for that, and I will lay out my my thoughts behind that. So Punk comes in in August of 2021. Um, uh, Colt Cabana, who will come into this story later on, uh, makes his final AEW television appearance, I believe, in November of 2021. So... Again, we're following along the timeline here. CM Punk has his feud with MJF. That temporarily comes to an end in March at Revolution. CM Punk is now the number one contender to Hangman Page's AEW World title. In the go-home show to the AEW World title match, Hangman Page makes a comment that CM Punk... uh, for real did not know was coming saying that he was going to save AEW from CM Punk you are a cancer in the locker room which Punk did not know was coming to me Hangman Page going basically off script now I can't say for sure if he if he had scripted that or if that was just an off-the-cuff remark. Sounds like an off-the-cuff remark. <clears throat> Adam Page uh, took a, an unsolicited shot at CM Punk because Tony Khan, and Tony Khan has come out and said that this was on Tony Khan, this was nothing to do with CM Punk. Adam Page was taking a shot at CM Punk because Tony Khan was going to let Colt Cabana's All Elite Wrestling contract expire and not renew it. CM Punk and Scott Colton, Colt Cabana, had a very public falling out. They'd been friends for a long time. They'd been through Ring of Honor together. They trained together. In CM Punk's famous pipe bomb promo, CM Punk even said, he looked at the camera and said, Hey, Colt Cabana, how you doing? They were best friends for a long time and they had an acrimonious falling out over legal problems arising from a podcast the two did together after Punk left WWE. Now, that's another thing. Punk left WWE under less than ideal circumstances. And Punk left because... He wasn't a fan of his creative. Uh, He was sick. Uh, He didn't feel like anything was being done to help him. You can go and listen to the podcast that he did. I mean, it's, it's, it's eight years old now. But again, whereas some people will look at a situation and think, well, I'm making all right money. I'm on TV. That that's, that's okay for a lot of people. A lot of people are happy with that. CM Punk comes from a very old school way of thinking where he wants to take the business very seriously. He wants to take the business seriously. He wants it to be treated like it is real, even though we all know what the deal is. CM Punk takes this business seriously. It's a mindset thing. And that is where the clash of personalities came. Adam Page takes a shot at CM Punk 
because Adam Page, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega, who are thick as thieves, uh, they're friends. You know, they have their own little clique backstage, the, the elite. They assume that the reason Tony Khan is letting Colt Cabana's contract expire is because of CM Punk. CM Punk and Tony Khan have both unequivocally said they had nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. CM Punk has enough respect for the wrestling business. He would not just walk into a locker room and start saying, I don't want him here. I don't want him here. I don't like that person. I'm not going to work with him. CM Punk, for all of his faults, he is not faultless. He is not faultless. CM Punk is a professional. He is a professional wrestler. And I truly believe that. There are telltale signs when people say what they mean and mean what they say. CM Punk is one of those guys. CM Punk may be a lot of things, and he's even admitted he can be a bit of a dick. However, he's not a liar. I don't I genuinely, genuinely believe he is not a liar. Now We've pointed out that he shouldn't have gone tit for tat with Paige over the the little uh, inside comment, which, again, was ill-advised by Adam Page because it was completely without merit. Adam Page, opening his mouth, opened this whole can of worms. So already, if you want to get very sort of childish and playground about it, Adam Page, who is a member of the elite with the Bucks and Omega, started this. So, we now go to Punk Goes Tit for Tat with Omega, uh, with Page, excuse me. Punk has his match, his uh, two matches within the space of two weeks with Moxley, eventually becomes the undisputed all elite wrestling champion. Then comes the media scrum. CM Punk, for half an hour, calls out journalists, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez, and Nick Houseman in particular, uh, for stories they have written, and written as fact, as opposed to saying it is their opinion or it is what they have heard, Written as fact that CM Punk is a locker room cancer, that CM Punk is being very defensive, that CM Punk is this horrible person that nobody wants to be around, that everybody hates. Nobody wants him in AEW. But everybody seems to be saying the same thing. Now... The most popular wrestling news outlet in the world, to me, is The Observer. The Wrestling Observer by Dave Meltzer. For over 40 years, Dave Meltzer, as a historian, an incredible mind for wrestling. And I'll add, I'll add in uh, Brian Alvarez with that. I'm a big fan of, of, of the work they do in wrestling and reporting wrestling news and for years in the past I've been an Observer subscriber 
However, it is very well known that the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho are all very close with Dave Meltzer. Dave Meltzer, after the brawl, after the, the brawl after the media scrum, Dave Meltzer was reporting what he had heard from the Bucks camp. And he was also reporting things that he hadn't heard or he was assuming had happened from the punk camp. Everybody reads The Observer. Every news channel reads The Observer. So everybody gets their news from The Observer and they take that as gospel instead of taking a step back and thinking Dave Meltzer is friends with these people. CM Punk has just gone out and called out Meltzer. He's called out Alvarez because they wrote things as fact when what they should have said was in my opinion. Now, my opinion is that Dave Meltzer's friendship with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega compromises him as a reliable source when it comes to this situation because Dave Meltzer has never criticised Kenny Omega, not recently, not to my knowledge, and I read The Observer, The Young Bucks, or Chris Jericho. But there isn't anybody who could look at the year from September to September, the year in AEW, and tell me that the biggest draw, the best performer of that, of that year wasn't CM Punk or MJF. I'll even go as far as to say uh, John Moxley. I would give it to those three. I would not, however, credit the Young Bucks. I would not credit Adam Page. I thought, I thought personally Adam Page, who I was a fan of, I thought Adam Page was a poor world champion and I and I was so happy when he became world champion. I don't think Page carried the title well at all. I think of all the AEW champions there have been, I think Adam Page was the worst in terms of a name and stature. But yes, yeah, so CM Punk... Everybody is saying CM, CM Punk is CM Punk deserves to go. He's a cancer. He's a locker room cancer. Yeah. People are now reporting that as fact. Oh, he was definitely he was definitely the bad guy. He was de he was one hundred percent the bad guy. So, in the immediate aftermath of the brawl, everybody involved was suspended. And a condition of their suspension was do not talk to anybody. So tell me, where was all of the pro Young Bucks, pro Kenny Omega spin on this situation coming from, from Dave Meltzer throughout that whole time? Now, the observers are all online. You can go and look for yourself and you will not see anything positive printed about CM Punk in the Observer. And it will be, oh, it was all his fault. 
It was nothing to do with the elite. They were just going in there to talk. And CM Punk came at them, started throwing punches. If somebody, right or wrong, had just called me what he called the elite in that media scrum, I would not be going into that person's locker room with six of my friends to talk. They were not going there to talk. Anybody who, anybody who thinks that has clearly never been in a hostile situation before. CM Punk voiced what, to a lot of people, has been known for a long time. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega trade on their friendship with Dave Meltzer for star ratings, for positive reviews, and Tony Khan does not see a problem with that because he is also a reader and a fan of the Wrestling Observer newsletter. As far as Tony is concerned, that is just the world we live in. Now, another reason I think that, not only do I think CM Punk has been done dirty by AEW, Jericho, the Bucks, Omega, because Chris Jericho, I mean, Chris Jericho was actually doing his media scrum when this all happened. And now he's come out saying, oh, yes, he's a cancer. I, I told him that he shouldn't be here anymore. Yeah, sure you did, Chris. Sure you did. You weren't even there. You weren't even there. You, you, you just knew that CM Punk was leaps and bounds ahead of you in terms of popularity and at this point in terms of ability. And I'm not knocking Jericho. Jericho's body of work is incredible. But right now, Chris Jericho is going through a midlife crisis. And that includes hanging with the cool kids. And anybody who comes in and says, oh, actually, maybe do it this way. And I'm not saying Punk did, because I think, you know, Punk, Punk, Punk wouldn't even waste his breath trying to talk to the Young Bucks or Omega or Jericho about, you know, storyline and content. Because... As their other little buddy Adam Page said in an interview, which Punk also referenced in the press scrum, well, we've kind of figured this all out. We 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 don't take advice from veterans. We kind of know what we're doing. Do you know? Do you know? Really? Could have fooled me, but what do I know? What do I know? I'm just I'm just a I'm just a guy on YouTube. What do I know? I don't know these people personally, but. To me, the um, the frequency of information and constant the constant burials of punk and burials of punk and burials of punk from the Observer and from the Bucks camp, it all seems just a bit laid on too thick when you lay the facts out, like hopefully I have done, when you lay the facts out in a row chronologically, it's really hard to see how anyone, I mean, clearly a lot of people do because there was an FCM punk chart last night. So, you know, can't educate everyone, I suppose. It's really difficult when you lay all the facts out in front of you and go, yes, the three men there 
were the were, they they were the victims, and that one guy there, who like he said in a promo a long time ago, has the balls to say things nobody else has the balls to say. But whereas Punk will say it publicly, Punk will address his issues openly. Punk will address his issues in public. Punk will call you out. Like, and again, I will go back to that press conference and say, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez had both reported things that CM Punk had a gripe with because CM Punk believed them to be false. CM Punk had not been contacted for comment before these comments had been printed. Like, CM Punk got Colt Cabana fired and Nick Jackson went to Tony and said, no, save his job for us. No, don't fire him. So the Bucks have gone running to Dave Meltzer and said, CM Punk was going to get Colt Cabana fired, but we saved his job. Dave Meltzer did not go to CM Punk and say, what do you think? What is your side of this story? Dave Meltzer just printed it as fact and CM Punk said to Dave Meltzer in the press scrum, I quote, Dave, what did I do? Meltzer's response was, you tell me. Meltzer had no problem writing it as fact in his newsletter while he's behind a keyboard. But when confronted with the man, he'd essentially slandered because if you're gonna if you're gonna write a news piece involving two sides of the story, you better write two sides of the story or else you are you're conflicted as a journalist, you're compromised. Dave Meltzer has been a fantastic journalist for professional wrestling and a credit to professional wrestling for a long, long time. But his friendship with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega compromises him as a credible source for wrestling information because if that is your yardstick, irregardless of whether you, you agree or disagree with me, if you claim to be a wrestling news site or any news site, but you have your favourites. You can have your favourites privately, but business is business and personal is personal. You take personal feelings out of business. Adam Page, in the go-home show to Double or Nothing, took a personal shot at CM Punk in a business situation. And he was the one who started all the dominoes falling. So now... We're in a situation where CM Punk, who is absolutely and totally the man in the wrong, no, he did nothing correctly at all. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are completely innocent. Kenny Omega was just trying to save CM Punk's dog and and the Young Bucks just wanted to chat and whatever it was Dave put. And I'm sure CM Punk said some nasty things to their face. It wouldn't shock me. However... We're now in a situation where, like I said at the start of this section, CM Punk is now negotiating a contract buyout. Let me just say that again. CM Punk, the man who is completely 100% guilty, the guilty party in this situation, is negotiating a contract buyout. I'll just let that sink in for a second. While I have a swig of water. 
if you commit an act of violence, aggression, malice, libel, gross misconduct at your workplace, you are fired and take it from someone with experience on both sides of this coin. You do not get to negotiate a financial settlement. You do not get to negotiate how long you will stay on the books before you are let go. You do not get to negotiate which door you leave out of and whether you are assisted to that door or not. You are unequivocally removed from your position at that company and you are told to leave and never come back. If you are guilty of what CM Punk is being accused of being guilty of. But he's negotiating a buyout. Now, if I may opine on why I think this is, Kenny Omega, Nick and Matt Jackson, the Young Bucks, are, for good or for bad, they are executive vice presidents. They hold titles, they hold office titles in... All Elite Wrestling. If what I have just gone over, my feelings are on this situation, if what I am saying is closer to the truth than what has been reported, then if CM Punk were to, I don't know, take this situation to court, wherein the first thing that would be done in court is a process called discovery, which, as the name suggests, all devices from all parties would be seized and all messages then become the property of the investigators. The investigators would then look to see everything that has been sent to everybody on these people people these persons people's devices so so for example if they go on one of the young bucks phones and they find messages between dave Meltzer and the young bucks talking shit about cm punk then cm punk has at minimum a case for for, for libel libel would be one defamation defamation of character that'd be another one and then you also have three company officers in the young bucks and kenny omega basically barging in to another employee's office to intimidate him because again they weren't the only people there by my count at least seven other people were in the room with the bucks and including the bucks and omega why do you need that many people if you're just there to talk why do you need that many people if you're just there to talk now what should have happened is that tony khan who is the boss, should have dealt with this situation back in May. 
when Adam Page made his comment to CM Punk, unscripted and apropos of nothing, Tony Khan should have pulled Page to one side and said, what was that comment all about? And when Adam Page tells the truth, he should have pulled everybody to one side and said, this is the situation. I was going to let Colt Cabana's contract expire because he's hardly been on television and I don't wish to renew his contract. It has nothing to do with CM Punk. He didn't. So Nick Jackson and the, the his brother and Kenny Omega and Adam Page have decided to spin this into a hit piece on CM Punk because CM Punk from the wider wrestling wrestling community was getting all the plaudits. CM Punk was getting the credit off Tony Khan for these big gates. Creatively, CM Punk segments were always the highlight of AEW. CM Punk was showing, he was showing up Chris Jericho, The Young Bucks, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega was actually, no, I will say this. Kenny Omega was not present for most of CM Punk's run. But the Bucks, Jericho and Hangman Page, none of their segments compared to CM Punk's. Now, in a company that is still essentially an upstart, when you have a Chris Jericho, when you have a CM Punk, when you have name talent, you have a Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, excuse me, and Adam Cole. You have these marquee names, names that have been there and done it. When you have these people, the more you have on board, the better. Now, again, business is business. And CM Punk and the Elite are both guilty of forgetting that. But the wider wrestling universe is guilty of buying into the spin that Dave Meltzer and people of of his ilk have put on this situation again. A reputable journalist reports both sides of the story. Dave Meltzer may have reported two sides, but they weren't necessarily the sides that needed to be heard. Heard. Excuse me. Heard? It's not even a word. Heard. Dave Meltzer, I believe, has compromised his integrity because of his friendship with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho, Hangman Page, etc. And between them, they have done a hatchet job on CM Punk. So they can continue to be the big fish in the small pond, which unfortunately is what AEW is now. Because like I said on episode zero a year ago 
AEW had all the goodwill in the world with wrestling fans everywhere. They had signed three big ex-WWE names that I thought would propel them into Raw and SmackDown ratings territory. And now... They now have MJF as champion. I I salute that decision. I salute the decision to make MJF champion. He is the best thing on that program by a country mile. But because of Tony Khan's lack of foresight to actually try and grow his business and keep and keep the peace within his company and try and avoid any litigation. He has decided to sacrifice the biggest star and the biggest money draw to ever come through his doors because he upset his very fragile, very flaky EVPs and their midlife crisis step-uncle. And again, that is my opinion on the fallout from the brawl out at All Out. Again, my opinion, not the opinion of everyone at Heel Turn Wrestling, just my opinion, just my two cents. Opinions are like noses, everybody's got one. Uh, if your opinion differs, Feel free to leave it in the comments below. I have taken up more time than I hope to on this podcast. Uh, I hope you'll come back from the next one. I hope my uh, opinion hasn't run too many people off. Um, I hope I haven't offended anybody with my opinions. Again, it is it's only wrestling. Let's let's all stay friends. But I'd like to thank you all for staying with me. If you've stayed with me this long, um, we will be back at some point uh, on the podcast. But like I said, at the very start, which feels like two days ago at this point, we are recording a lot of these out of order due to scheduling conflicts. So I can't comment for sure on what is coming next. But subscribe to Heel Turn Wrestling, like, share the videos and uh Put your, put your views in the comments below and uh, I will definitely be on the next one and I will catch you next time. Take care, guys.